I want to go where the moon shines bright. I want to dance under the stars tonight. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the moon. I am your host this evening. Lawrence Ray, and today I'm joined by my esteemed co-hosts, uh, Ricardo Martinez and Jerry. Um, and we are also interviewing uh, Rigel, otherwise known as Coinshore NZ online, uh, discussing Coinbase's yeah. IPO and much more. Um, so stick around to hear the news. Now, first off, uh, before I uh, introduce, well, introduce you even better, uh, Rigel, uh, Ricardo, Jerry, how are you guys doing this week? I'm doing fantastic. Nice. Good to hear it. Jerry, how are you, how are you feeling? Feeling high like an all-time high. <laughs> Fantastic, man. I'm liking it. Yeah, the price action is looking good right now. Although I'm sure by the time this goes out, we'll have like dumped half or something. But right now, it's all looking pretty good. Uh, that's cool. And yeah, and Roger, before um, I ask how you're doing, I'll uh, introduce you to our audience. So Roger was a full-stack developer, Bitcoiner, um, and uh, as per his Twitter handle, uh, International Man of Death Metal Mystery, uh, hailing from uh, New Zealand, uh, well known for sending a uh, Bitcoin transaction without cell network or internet connection. Uh, how are you doing today, mate? How's it going? Yeah, good, good, good man. Just uh, working away and, and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, surviving. surviving. Surviving and thriving. I like it. Fair enough. That'll do it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I guess what we'll do is we'll kick straight into uh, the yeah the news this week, and I've got to say the top piece of news is is completely going to throw everyone off here. It's to do with BitRefill's merch release. This is the first time I've ever done a plug on this show before. Um, check out the if you can see, check out this fantastic T-shirt of uh, Kryptonaut resting on the beach, and you've got the BitRefill logo here. Um, anyone out there is listening, this should all be live by the time this goes out. Um, so. Head over to our Twitter and check it out. You can, you can pick some up. Stand up a little so they can see the design. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Look at that. There Pretty amazing, bro. Amazing. And that's designed by our very own Jason, who we had on the podcast last week. So, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll skip past the, uh, the shameless plug now. Um, so, yeah. Um, first off on the news this week, it's going to be, drum roll, pretty obvious. Coinbase has IPO'd uh, as of Wednesday um and i think it reached uh i think it reached 100 billion at one point or it was it got pretty high anyway um and it got bigger than quite a lot of banks value which is quite interesting um so instead of the banks buying coinbase it's that thing of our uh, coinbase is gonna is coinbase gonna buy some banks <laughs> um now which is amazing uh what crypto's done but yeah um i guess What's I, I'm very neutral, I think, on this whole topic. I, I've seen a lot of hatred for the whole situation and a lot of pro the whole situation. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what each of you guys thinks, to be honest, because as I said, I'm quite like I have two minds completely, which make me quite neutral on the subject. Um, so I think I'm going to want to hear what Jerry has to say first. So, um, Jerry, go ahead, mate, and tell, tell us your opinion. <laughs> well, um, pretty much the same. I'm- well, I'm I'm going to say I'm leaning towards um, pro because um, I think this this pretty much validates um, yeah yeah I know right yeah this pretty much validates uh, Bitcoin um, in the eyes of the public like it's the ultimate you know you know validation that people have been looking for and I think at this point an ETF is not very far. Okay. Nice. Well, yeah, for the US and UK, because US and UK don't have one, right? But Brazil and Canada, and I think a few other countries do. Um, yeah, yeah. But because I mean, like, I, despite what everybody might think, I think US, the US, you know, pretty huge deal. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. It's true. Uh, Roger, what are, you, what are you thinking on the whole situation? Are you kind of, uh, what's your thoughts? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not particularly a big fan of the, you know, like the super regulated element of the of the sector, if you, if you know what I mean. And I think like what Coinbase is doing is, to my mind, largely against the ethos of kind of what Bitcoin, what it, you know, what it really stands for, you know. Um, I mean, like, like obviously it's bullish in the sense of, you know, numbers go up and, and um that, uh, you know, this, it's, a, it's another sign of like kind of legacy adoption, if you like, and all those kind of things there. But, you know, to me, what, what's what's really at risk here, and, you know, I think this full cycle in particular is a turning point about it, about, um, you know, it's that like Trojan horse meme, of, right, of like, um, you know, Bitcoin getting bigger and being used by companies and things like that is like the Trojan horse of us, if you like, sneaking in the door and, and, and taking over. But, you know, I do, I do think that that dynamic is, is, is like a two-way street, you know what I mean? Of um, you know, if Bitcoin is one hundred percent, you know, you can say the extreme example. It's all on exchanges. It's all KYC. Um, you know, all the the off ramps require um, uh, ID or whatever like that. Then that to me that isn't Bitcoin, and the, and the uh, kind of point of difference or you know the real value of what what this all thinks about is the lost. Um, so I mean, like. I, and it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. Like ideologically, I'm, I'm very much against these kind of companies, against any kind of KYC or whatever. But there's some sort of a middle ground of, uh, you know, I was talking to someone about this last night actually. But like this, this girl, she's quite new to Bitcoin, but she's all very into um, trying to get it, no KYC and do things right. And I was trying to say, well, if you're brand new, by the time you do all the research, you get this right, and you finish chasing your tail, the price is probably going to be at least double where it is now. And I don't pretend I know what the perfect answer is, but, you know, there's, there's something to be said of, like, if you just get your hands on the stuff now, um, sure, you, you might have made some privacy bundle-ups, but I'm, I'm kind of more inclined to believe that, you know, actually having your hands on it rather than waiting to get it, you know, and get it, you know, perfect, you know, is which one's best? You know, I, I don't know the answer. I'm kind of, kind of leaning a little bit that maybe, um, you know, that maybe there is a little bit more wiggle room on the on the the side of hey just you know if, if they have to use the old relay dynamics to get on board then it's better than not getting it in the first place but uh yeah not not, really, not much of a subtle answer sorry but yeah I mean, i'm still trying to figure it out so no i got you man like he went into kind of like a little bit of um, another side of it which is true though it is it, it, it which is actually where my mind at is like okay on one side awesome for coinbase love to see people succeed love to see the crypto industry kind of dominate uh, even if it is in a traditional financial area but then there's obviously the other side of me that's like uh, but you know bitcoin's doing great and crypto's doing great so great that a crypto company then had to go to the old-fashioned regulated legacy system to raise money to then it's like really could we not have done this another way like a more forward-thinking way so yeah i've definitely got two minds uh, for certain so i'm with you on that one like but what you someone's, said about- someone's gonna do it someone's gonna do it right man you know someone's gonna do it and and you know if, if coinbase was to be the four people who did it and then kind of became antiquated dinosaurs because they didn't do a more decentralized version in soviet <laughs> sounds good to me you know yeah and like congrats to brian and everything like good, good on them i suppose like that yeah they're doing what they want to do they're doing it well they're making money can't hate on it but as i say i have definitely have that view that's like slightly anti and an ideological standpoint so i'm kind of with you on that one um i guess ricardo what's your what's your thoughts are you going to be the opposite to jerry or what i'm interested to see how this is going to go ricardo what are you, what are you saying i think overall it's it's a positive but coinbase first of all isn't a bitcoin company they're a shitcoin company um <laughs> they've turned their back on bitcoin a bunch of different times so 
that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, this morning, we, I did an interview um, for a Spanish podcast that we also did for BitRefill. And the guy we interviewed, uh, his name's Juan Rodriguez from Bitcoin e Crypto. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. And he brought up a really interesting point, which is Coinbase has been a Bitcoin startup for eight years. And they've only accumulated, you know, for the whole time they've been involved in the space and as an early adopter or pioneer kind of business, 4,000 Bitcoin really isn't a whole lot to show for how long they've been involved. Um, when you compare it, as, as Juan did, to MicroStrategy or Tesla, these are companies that have been just barely dabbling with Bitcoin for a few months, and they already have exponential amounts more in Bitcoin holdings than Coinbase does, which I actually thought was kind of shocking. Um, observation really says a lot about the significance of Coinbase's IPO to me. That's a very good point, man. Like I, um, I didn't know they only had four thousand BTC. It's not that's like less than got hacked from Bitfinex back in the day. <laughs> so that's to say, that's less than that. So wow, okay, yeah. I, I guess that's a pretty interesting perspective. Um, so yeah, I think I think generally overall, I think we're all pretty. I mean, we're all kind of like, yeah, this is this is cool for them and everything. And you know, I'm not gonna no one's gonna hate on it here, I suppose, but. Uh, there is that kind of element of it'd be nice if you know um, there was another way, I suppose. But yeah, as you said, Roger, like you know, someone's going to do it. <laughs> so if it wasn't them, yeah. would it have been Kraken? 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 Would it have been Kraken, or would it have been any other exchange? Who knows? Probably would have been. So it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I guess congrats to them and everything. It seems to have gone okay so far. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, is there anything else anyone wanted to discuss quickly? Because to be honest, I wanted to just get on to um, interview side of things. Quite frankly, I'm, I'm interested to talk to our fantastic guest here. But anyone else got anything they wanted to bring up before we do so? I vote for the interview. Also, let's do it. Okay, right. Okay, let's uh, let's get Kiwi. Let's uh, let's let's get into it. So I guess um, well. Okay, right. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll ask you a question just to start us off here. Uh, just a nice introductory question um so yeah first off uh you're from new zealand originally right as far as i can tell from the accent and from your twitter handle yeah (laughs) sweet as sweet as nice um in fact i should have worn oh i've got a new zealand t-shirt um i should have worn that it would have been kind of damn the less of that cheese the better man you know oh i I saw lord of the rings one time (laughs) yeah i could have been like that really like pain up the ass to you but i I didn't do it yeah never mind um but yes anyway sorry so you're from new zealand anyway originally so um i guess uh the first question to ask is what are you up to at the moment uh in life and is there anything that's you know cool that you you know in the present time that you're working on that you'd want people to know about or any cool projects anything what's what's going on really uh, you know keep us bring us up to speed uh no 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 uh, not, not too much i mean the uh the, the whole covid thing's been slightly disruptive for me like i was uh, you know kind of working doing the nomad thing uh, when it hit and um you know to me this is really not any point in going on to, to my country so I can't figure out where I'm actually living and navigating this whole situation at the moment which uh, you know is, is can be a little bit dynamic and complicated so uh, you know really for the last year I've been kind of just a little slammed with some of the logistics of that um, but I just recently I haven't actually even put this out on the 20 yet but I just recently started working with uh, Swan Swan Big One um, oh, nice. so I just have with those guys and, and having the team there so I'm, I'm pretty you know like a couple of weeks deep now so i'm still getting my head around but um yeah that, that's what i'm involved with uh at the moment and um, as far as other projects go like uh 
that's hopefully like this is the point where um, for me, you know, ever since I the um, the uh, what am I looking for the Gotenna uh, thing um, and and some of the other kind of software that I pumped out, you know. Uh, what, what's kind of more important to me is just actually getting proficient as a, as a, as a coder. Because I, if you read, I wrote this article about um, it's called like Learn to Code V1 or something. Like I, I've, I've only really been, um, I didn't know anything about code uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, so I kind of like just jumped into this quite deeply. And so to me, like I really want to contribute more to the space. But, you know, I, I do understand like it's a craft like any other. And, you know, if you're, uh, yeah, I've seen this from music where like if people want to jump in and they don't really know what they're doing uh, professionally or technically, but they just want all the fame or the, you know, the, the, the notoriety, right? And I think there's a lot of people in the space, not so much in the coding space, but definitely when it comes to like podcasts and stuff, you know, that attitude. I, and I think going forward, even though you might, you know, I think a lot of people see a payoff at it, going forward, it's not the best attitude when, you know, I think this space is you know, something that people are going to write about the history books for 200 years. So, so sorry, a long tangent as I'm prone to doing, but um, but basically, this uh, what I've been trying to focus on is just becoming a competent developer and uh, eating my vegetables, if you like, you know, about like just getting you know the, the basics of software development down um, before I you know start looking at some more open source stuff. I can log myself in or whatever. You know, so. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So like, you're kind of, yeah, just like reinforcing your confidence in yourself in your development abilities to say, Hey, like, you know, I am proficient at this. I can, I feel like I have the responsibility to tell you guys about this and I'm happier, you know, having, uh, having experienced uh, more in the development world, I guess. It's just pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I, like the way I see this is like, man, this is a, a revolution that needs uh, like a shitload of foot soldiers, right. You know, people mm-hmm. to just, do the plumbing work of this space. And that's a whole, you know, running a podcast, um, doing the, the marketing, or, you know, there's a million things that we, we just need people uh, to do it, right? And I think um, software especially, you know, in general, there's just not enough developers for the, the jobs that are available on the general level of Bitcoin and people that actually understand the space where it's going and the technology itself. Um, so, you know, for, for that reason, I, I think, like, there's a lot of people, you know, want to, like, run their own podcast and you see like, how many podcast there are right you know yeah. things like that. Well, they want to be that figurehead or that thought leader um when really i think what's more important is uh, to kind of put that in the background and, and just um get your hands dirty when we need it without worrying about like you know what you're going to get out of it so to speak so then i think like if you're if you're a bitcoin holder with any sort of history i mean the the financial side is like kind of certain now, right? You know, you're going to be, you're going to be rich. Uh, so, but what's more important is like the contribution that you made. You know, if you look back in, in 20 years, you know, like, well, I did a lot of cool podcasts, I guess about that now, but, you know, if you built the infrastructure that was then built on this, and to me, that's more significant. So, so and, and um, when I first got involved in the space and, you know, my background like the police and teaching, you know, I, I didn't really see where I could fit my skills in, but I just figured, like, went to a bunch of conferences and figured, well, if I just like learning code, I can see there's a space there, you know, nothing about it. Um, so that's kind of what I, you know, focusing on. But, you know, as I said, um, you know, it, it's, it's all going to well for people who maybe want to put all in their bio that they're working for something and they're contributing to some open source project. And if you look what they're doing, they're just like changing a spell mistake in the, in the Bitcoin Core repo or whatever, you know, they're the same core developer. I think there's, you know, the, the space will be better off if more intelligent people put their minds to, to something on those lines, and again, it's not necessarily just code, you know, and things like that. But that, that's how I feel about it. And, and you know, I see this is like a ten-year kind of mission of, you know, it's not just like what you're going to get now; it's what, where you're going to put yourself in ten years. And, and so, to me, the, the software development seems to be that. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Don't... No, um, go ahead. How man. did you make the transition from police officer to discovering Bitcoin? Uh, well, it's kind of how I came across it actually in the first place was um, so you know, I, I heard the name Bitcoin thrown around a few times, like 2012, 2013. I just kind of dismissed it, never looked into it. Um, but what actually really got me interested in the space was uh, and the, uh, following the, the post trial coverage of uh, Silk Road. And um, so off of that, you know, I read about like dark markets and things like that there. And, and to me, it just really kind of blew my mind that this thing was going on for, you know, well over a year, uh, almost two years, I think it was the end. And that they could see it happening, you know, right in front of their face and there was absolutely nothing they could do about it. And, and I don't think that many people quite grasp the significance of that, like perhaps I did having worked in that field. Um, so, you know, I got very interested in, uh, you know, jump straight on tour and have a look around at times like Evolution and Agora or the, you know, the ones that were really going around there and, and had a hunt around. And so initially I was just interested in like how the dark markets work, but then I you know, read about Bitcoin as you obviously do when you're exploring that phenomena. And then to me, you know, and this is something, again, it seems so obvious, but it's it's strange that people only really start, a lot of people are starting to grasp now. It's like immediately I thought, well, if this can facilitate um, a, a criminal market uh, and, and something like the FBI can't stop it. And this is going to be what, you know, nation states use to get around capital controls. Like this is like a nuclear weapon in finance. Um, and so to me, it seemed like, I guess, you know, again, I look at it in a, in a more Machiavellian way than, than other people perhaps would just because of my background. But to me, I thought, well, this is an incredible phenomenon and this is really going to change the world. And, and like, this is like nothing else I've ever come across in my life. This is you know, fascinating. So, so that was kind of what got me interested was, you know, the background and, you know, my professional background, which got me interested in the indictment markets and then reading about Bitcoin's consequence of that. And that, you know, really that was a neighborhood tour on Bitcoin, the two things that really enabled it to, to work. And, um, and, you know, and, and obviously the difference between tour and Bitcoin is, um, you know, not only is it a way, it's a, like a technology you can use to, Transact community like tour, but you know, the, the subject of course of Bitcoin is you know, you might get hilariously rich <laughs> in the process, which I think is a very powerful motivator, which is why Bitcoin is where it is now. Is you know, if Tor had that, you know, had a coin somehow, and it's, it's not given too many alcohol people ideas here, but you know, if it was a, a financial benefit for downloading and running tour all the time, you know, you'd see that the intrinsic motivation that people would have to participate in it would be much higher. And so, I think that's why Bitcoin is where it is now. That's a good point you make, Retour. It's like, um, I don't know if you've heard of Helium Network, but that's like a idea where, you know, by by participating, you're gaining, and the, the, the level of growth and the level of people trying mm-hmm. to buy these, um, whatever they're called, like their versions of a miner, I don't know what it's called, but whatever, the amount of people trying to buy these is so significant, they've got a huge waiting list. So yeah, you can you can see how if Tor had done something like that, then obviously the the growth would have been exponential compared to what it is um but yeah it's, it's pretty cool to to hear about how you kind of change field like that it, it almost feels like bitcoin's its own religion in a way because it's like you kind of saw this light and then you're like i'm gonna change and just do this now and like it's just yeah it's amazing it's, right it's totally totally cult, man. it's totally cult. a similar thing happened to myself it's got me out of my job and just poof, like straightly moved me into the into the industry but i'm happier than i ever was before so you know, it's the, the way way to do it. Um, I guess, yeah, because obviously, not really a massive change uh, in in topic. But like when it comes to Bitcoin, um, I suppose you can say crypto in general, but mainly Bitcoin in New Zealand, because um, obviously, you know, it's far far away from where Jerry, myself, or Ricardo are, um, well over the other side of the the, the earth, the globe. Um, 
and obviously there's it's not a huge population so you know we don't get to meet many kiwis from, from that often um albeit one of my best friends is a kiwi but um what uh what's the situation like with bitcoin and the kind of general ethos and the industry and like the kind of how's the the bitcoin meetups and that kind of side of things in new zealand like how how is it um in general compared to the US, for example? So for a start, it's a small country, like 5 million people, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talk about things like meetups, you know, the numbers always can be kind of low. And the other thing about, you know, kind of Auckland, which is the main city, which I, you know, where I've spent most of my life there is, you know, the, the public transport and stuff is, is, is kind of really sucks. Um, so it's, it's you know, the, the social life in general there is, is leaves a, a bit to be desired, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, meetup, the meetups there in the community, I think, Per capita, if you look at it for what it is, where it is, etc., it's pretty good. Um, uh, you know, I'd say the culture there is like with many things, is is a bit behind. Um, you know, say America or Europe or, or, or things like that. There, so it's a little bit um, undeveloped. And and I got you know, I'll put it a thing this way: like, there's a lot of guys from the meetup, and some of the guys like I kind of got my first bitcoins off and stuff. Guys who've been around since like you know, 2010. That was something like some really old school dudes. Um, at the meetups there but then you know you'll talk to a lot of these guys and I guess that's this isn't that different than the rest of the world but uh, you know say for example you know like say Bitcoin maximalism you could say it's a bit of a it's a bit of a trendy thing in a way you know at the moment it's kind of like the, the right thing or things taken over where you know maybe 2015 2016 it was like old coins were kind of a new thing and everyone was into a whole lot of different things and that now that's looked in a slightly different light Mm. And so, you know, this is the culture of the space, you know, when you come up with the, the smaller groups like that, or as a general, you know, has evolved over time. And um, I kind of feel like a lot of people there aren't really, you know, not like on Twitter or whatever, when following what's really happening in the space, which, you know, I love it or hate it. And I think if, if you're on there, you, you know, there's a whole world happening much faster than a lot of people in the space realize, and you're really behind the times if you're not kind of plugged into you know, the Bitcoin or crypto Twitter kind of world. So it's, it's kind of speaks to that where I think it's, it's like kind of like a little immature or undeveloped in a sense. Um, but, you know, there are some encouraging things about like, you know, it's definitely a country where um, if you go to a meetup, you're very, very likely to find someone who is wanting to buy and sell uh, Bitcoin for cash, uh, which is something which I haven't seen anywhere near as prevalent. And, you know, I've been to quite a few meetups, this random meetups in, in, in quite a few countries now. Hmm. Um, so you know, I mean, I think that like the culture in that aspect is pretty good. But I mean, uh, statistically, and I, I like I'm more skeptical of statistics, but statistically, I think per capita New Zealand is quite far behind in the Western world as far as the percentage of like uh, population that owns crypto. And like the on ramps at home are, are quite limited, and um, you know, just uh, yeah, not uh, looking at the international options, they're, they're not that competitive. Um, hmm. You know, like. Is you can get you can get some okay rates, but if you're trying to turn New Zealand dollars into, into Bitcoin, it's um, it's it's definitely much. It's a whole other world from say America, where it's, you know, there's a lot of very easy um, ways to do it. Uh, so so yeah, I mean the culture there, as far as like the general adoption permeation and permeation permanence into society um, is 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 kind of low, and I think lower than than in the rest of the world. But also like. The culture there, while, while I think it's like a little perhaps behind the times in some ways, I think like what I've seen about the way that people think about it, so it's pros and cons, pros and cons, but it's, it's small, that'd be my summary. 
I'm sorry, I lost you for like a second there, but I got the general over. I, I got basically most of what you're saying. So I guess yeah, what you're saying is like essentially it's kind of kind of behind in ways, but then the the core of it and people's like attitude towards it is actually pretty positive and pretty encouraging. Basically, is kind of I guess that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's people are in general New Zealanders are a bit more rough and ready, if you if you know what I mean, like a bit more. Um, trying to find the right word for it, not rural, but you know what I mean. They're a bit more like like less less cosmopolitan or something. I don't know. Like um, uh, you know, I just think uh, people. I mean, from for example, America, you know, have a lot more of a um, they come with an expectation of some of the the services and the and the convenience that you have in America. Yeah. For example, things like let's say Uber Eats, right? You know, it's, you have it at home, but it's relatively new, and that was probably like three, four, five years behind, not more behind America. Um, and so, I think there's a little bit more of an expectation of convenience, which, in my mind, is uh, you know, I think, and I, and I think this will be the case forever. Is like it's 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 kind of uh, a polar opposites of what Chris about. You can't have convenience and self sovereignty. Yeah, like I'm sure there's a a nice medium to be found. There's ways that you can kind of bring those together a bit more, but I think they're always diametrically opposed. Uh, and so people at home are a little bit more used to like just figuring out themselves and stitching it together. You know, but it's like cliche uh, saying or about themselves, we have that number eight wire mentality, which is like, you know, you figure out how to stitch something together from, you know, because you can't get it where you are and so remote, you know. So I think that that mentality is a good one where, um, you know, coming back to the Coinbase RPO, you know, I think a lot of the convenience that, that, uh, that the industry is moving towards for obvious reasons because you know that's what customers want um, is is very much a double edged sword and and so I think it's good that like that geographic isolation can kind of encourage some more positive behaviours if you like. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I get you. That's that's pretty cool actually. It's it's good to get like a, a good insight to to the way the community is, especially you know for everyone listening because say most people listening probably won't have even visited New Zealand. Um. So it makes sense to 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 hear about that. Um, I guess there's a bit of a, a switcheroo, but it's something that you did in New Zealand uh, and you're kind of known for online, obviously. I've got to ask you about it. Um, it's got to be done. Um, I guess, uh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, what I'm talking about is um, that you were, I believe, the first known person to send a Bitcoin transaction. I could be wrong, but I'm thinking the first known person um, to send a transaction without uh, cell or reception or internet connection. Um, what was the catalyst for that? Like, what made you think, this, you know, what kind of gave you that idea is, is kind of what I'm interested in because uh, the how you did it is that is there. It's in your Twitter thread. And for anyone listening, go look at the Twitter thread, CoinshoreNZ. It's pinned to the top. But yeah, what was it made you think I'm going to do this today? You know? um, so, you know, I'm kind of a big fan of like Samurai Wallet and their, their kind of approach um, and have been, you know, since well before I, I did this, which was, what was it? I can't remember now. I thought it was October 2018, I think. Yeah, I, I believe it's around that time. I <laughs> So before that, you know, I was kind of following the stuff quite closely and I really like the 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 particular take on what what Bitcoin is about as far as how they flesh it out in their, in their wallet. Um, and then so as a consequence, I you know, sort of this DX10 I think was coming. And um, because of my my background, like I explained, you know, I guess I look at this thing a little bit differently where you know, I've got a bit of a streak run being paranoid and thinking about all the worst edge case scenarios that could that could happen. Um, and so to me, I mean, this is one thing which really drove me to become a programmer. It was like the first things I did when I got a reasonable level of competency was did Jimmy Song's course and then figured out how to grab my transactions and turn my own private keys from addresses because I just didn't like the feeling of relying on some software where, you know, even if it's open source and well used, that 
without this piece of machinery, I can't, I don't know how to turn, for example, these 24 words into the address, we'll get the private key. And I've had it, you know, an experience too where um, you've had something to do with the derivation path or whatever, where I was unable to get a UTXO out of a, a wallet. Um, so being able to do that yourself is, is something which is, you know, is quite a strong motivator for me. So for that same reason, like the lack of connectivity um, and the potential for that is something where I think, well, what about if the internet got cut off? What about if this, what about that happened? So I'm kind of got a predilection for these kind of uh, paranoid scenarios. So the idea of the TXT thing really kind of caught my attention straight away. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, so I actually ordered a bunch of GoTenders. I didn't quite realize when it first announced that it actually wasn't being launched so I bought a bunch of GoTenders maybe two or three months before it actually got released and I had them and had a little play around but not too much of a use for what I was but as soon as it kind of launched I was you know, super keen to give it a go and um, so uh, so that, that was kind of what motivated me to, to do it and get involved and from there you know, as, as soon as I, they kind of launched it I, I started thinking about a plan to go and get out there and, and really test what the capabilities of this thing was Gotcha. Okay. So it kind of came from that, um, that thought of, in your head of like, you know, what if, you know, yeah, everything shit is the fan basically. And like, you know, yeah. and, and how can I make this as like simple and basic and like manual as possible for if that scenario is to happen? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, from being in the police and the army, you know, they, they teach you about drilling and rehearsing things over and over and over. And so, you know, when this, particular unexpected scenarios you get ambushed or whatever it's all instance right you know you, you, you follow this step you do this you know this person wheels around here you get fire formation you start people bobbing towards the target all this kind of you carry on right so you know it's been kind of reinforced for me over quite a few years about you know you need to think about all these scenarios and have a plan in place and have rehearse to know it so to me, I'm kind of that with backups and other stuff, right? I think I'd probably go a little too far about, you know, where and how and that kind of stuff like that. So, you know, to me, I'm always like looking for a plan about what if, and so it kind of really fell into that. I saw a presentation that you did where you were talking about how you worked in like a secret service style protection unit for like politicians. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask, like, how similar would you, from your background in security, uh, compare like the risks between a high profile politician and a real high net worth hodler? Uh, well, I mean, I cut that off in that presentation, I think, relatively well. I mean, you could go on for days, really, but you know, I covered all the basics. I mean, I think, like, let's be honest, you know, like the idea of there being people with a large amount of money is not a new phenomenon, right? You know, there's plenty of millionaires or people out there that have a large amount of money. You know, at the moment, I'm living in a in a uh, Central American ca- country and, you know, it makes you, when you're here, you know, kind of a little bit more conscious about flashing displays of wealth and things like that than you would be, you know, um, uh, at home. So, I mean, I think the idea of, like, just because you get mega rich doesn't make you, and, and I, you know, this is something which I think a few Bitcoin people are a little bit thinking about, is, like, just because you got money doesn't make you really stick out than the guy who's made a shitload of money out of business or inherited some money from his parents or whatever. The, the real, the, the real point of interest, you know, as far as protection things that goes, is like how easy a target are you, right? Because, um, you know, if, one, if I was to really simplify this, you know, there's a lot of people. Where if you've made money through business or something like that, you probably had to have some some acumen and some some focus and a bit of a cutthroat mentality. Get to that level, not necessarily, but in crypto, there's some people who just like made a smart decision and, and maybe the same sort of demographics people with that win the lottery, right? Um, where uh, you're funny and, and you haven't really had to go through the 
experience to, to be able to deal with that situation, if you know what I mean. Um, so uh, there, there are similarities. And I think the other thing is that with, with Bitcoin, you know, it's, it's quite similar to cash. And I talked about like um, that, that acronym CRAVED in that presentation we were talking about, about there are certain things which are easier to steal and more desirable for thieves than others. And I think Bitcoin sits in that category of, you know, versus let's say you've got a million dollars of Bitcoin and a million dollar a stack of gold or a work of art on the wall, just purely on portability alone. Like Bitcoin is, if you're wanting to get your hands on a large amount of something and flick it off, Bitcoin is a much more appealing prospect. So uh, there's that. And, and I think it's something which is kind of poorly explored. Like I think a lot of people don't really understand it, but, but there's also other things like, you know, to me that the, the biggest targets are going to be crypto businesses where, you know, a lot of these places are, the security is just like any sort of office where really they should be kind of hard and more like a bank. Or anything you think about like a mining facility, you know, I mean, it's very possible that you could, if, you know, and some of these places are in countries where the rule of law isn't that strong. You could roll in a, a group of guys, you know, mining facility to depends pretty skeleton stuff. You could roll into them on the space and either, I don't know, put a gun to a guy's head and say, change the, the output address or even just physically hook up the assets to, something something else and you know kind of almost like capture the flag right where you know just every minute there you're getting more points or you know potentially so so um you know so there's there's um there's a lot of aspects like this which i think we, we haven't even begun to look at but uh, you know i do think it's also important to preface as much as i like to say oh you know everyone needs to consult me for my services and pay me tons of money <laughs> it's really not that different than the world we live in today there's just some different dynamics because of the nature of how Bitcoin is and, and the people that have come to it. Sure. Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, as you say, and some people as well with Bitcoin would have made their money extremely suddenly and kind of yes. so, somewhat out of luck as well in a way. So um, for some people, so they might just like, just be so unprepared and it's like, you know, I'm just going to go buy a Lambo and then it's pretty clear this guy has got the wealth. Same, same story with, um, with, you know, lottery winners. Like uh, mm. if you read that, I don't, can't remember the statistic of the time I get, but it's very high about lottery winners that end up broke. Um, and not only saying you're going to end up broke if you do well at a Bitcoin, but, you know, it's just people that aren't accustomed to handling this amount of money. And so they blow it on stupid purchases. And, they, you know, then they get a lot of people coming to them and asking for money and they don't know how to deal with that because their mm. lifestyle just isn't, set up for that sort of situation so so yeah you know it's 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 a bigger thing but i mean like if you're talking about like violence for example i think what's way more likely than that is and this is something i'm surprised we haven't seen more like you know you've got a book on conference and the after party all, all of a sudden it's like super warm and wet the league is starting to talk to you and you know then when you fall asleep she plugs the usb stick in that her handler gave the plug into your computer and Oops, you know, your Bitcoins are gone. I mean, there's a, definitely a few digital fuck-ups for that to be possible, but something, you know, you get where I'm going, right? You know, I think that's yeah. a much more likely scenario than someone robbing you at, at, at this stage. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking the other day, like some of these Bitcoin meetups, I think, geez, you know, like some some rough stuff could go down there. Like I, I do worry sometimes when it comes to the meetups. Um, but it's just one of those things that the risk is the risk and, and as you say lots of people there's mm. lots of people who have money and but you're right about exchanges yeah, and stuff yeah. like um like i know i know i know uh 
to two people who worked at Cryptopia and said that, you know, at the time when that was running, it was just a building, essentially. You could just kind of wander in and that was kind of it. Whereas, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been in my past job to like, proper like, bank locations where it's like it's in- insanely impossible nearly to get in the damn place, even if you have clearance. Um, and there's these huge boulders, you know, like blocking any access from a vehicle and stuff. And you think the exchange probably has more money than that bank building has in it. Um, so it just goes to show. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been into a few, and, and you know, I've had a team of like three guys. You'd be in there doing fucking under a minute, you know, <laughs> fucking door, straight in, go under someone's head, you know, give me the crypto, no, shoot someone in the kneecap and say, well, you know, the clock's ticking. Yeah. Mm. You could have all the good security in place that you, that you like, but you know, when you pull off something like that, I, I just don't think it's something that people are. Now, banks have systems and things in place for this, and I think like you know, the businesses do. I think they'll, uh, yeah. I think exchanges will catch up uh, pretty quickly, and, and some sort of incident will probably cause that to happen um, quite quite quickly. Mm. Um, I guess. Well, I, I'll be changing topic quite a lot with this question, um, but um, when it comes to to Bitcoin and 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 I guess cryptocurrencies as a as a whole, on uh, statement. Um, when it comes to the future of Bitcoin, do you, because there's something that I find interesting is that like, if you look at Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, obviously Bitcoin serves a purpose and there's all these other thousands and thousands of coins and currencies and tokens that supposedly obviously serve different purposes, whether it's, you know, I don't know. Well, there's so many different ones out there. Whether If you look at Ethereum, right, it's supposed to be a digital app, sort of decentralized app, supercomputer. There's all these different things and you can have smart contracts. Mm-hmm. Do you think in the future with things like Bitcoin and you've got like the Taproot upgrade, you've got the Lightning Network, you've got the potential RGB upgrade, you've got all these different upgrades coming to it. Do you think in the next, you know, five, 10 years, we're actually going to see a lot of cryptocurrencies erode away as their use case kind of just gets swallowed up by Bitcoin and, and an upgrade or, an, or a layer solution? Do you think we're kind of looking more at like a one coin or a few coin future? Or are you kind of someone who thinks, Bitcoin should be the top dog. It's like the main thing, but there are going to be other things that just need to be there for these other use cases. I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I guess. I mean, I think like just kind of history being history. I think the like Bitcoin only world is is unlikely, mm-hmm. just because there's probably going to be something that finds a niche. And I don't know it's going to be large, but I, you know, imagine there's going to be something which fits some small category, which. You know, for whatever reason, Bitcoin doesn't do as well as this thing. And you know, and I think it's—I don't know—it's quite desirable to, to to put everything on Bitcoin. Um, but you know, the, the question would be then about like, um, you know, and, and this is what you know a lot of people ask um, when, when they ask me about altcoins at the moment because there's a few meetups right here and there's a lot of noobs at the moment asking about it. And I, mm-hmm. my take is. Um, I think, it, sure, it's totally possible that something, and let's just pick Ethereum, let's just pick Ethereum as an example, that that could um, find a use case and, and, and take off. And, you know, I think I'm quite skeptical of it at the moment, but, you know, who knows the future could fulfill some role like that. But, you know, if you're going to take something like, let's say, DeFi or, you know, the, the lending or some of the stuff that goes on, like are they, for example, right? You know, like uh, you've, you've got some Bitcoin, and then so maybe you you transfer it to Ethereum to, to be able to participate in a smart contract, you know, it does this thing and you make some money or whatever. What are you going to do with that? You know, you're not going to keep it in Ethereum. You're going to take it out into Bitcoin. And so therefore, you know, these things can exist, but whether there's a monetary use and a need for the token is questionable. And what that means is the flow on effect is, 
is the other thing because I mean the the other real question with all this is um you know, may, uh, is that the majority of these uh, platforms you know if you think about what's involved in, in getting it to a level where it's used and, and it's secure and it has a you know network uh, sorry um, more adoption from the world you know you, you've really you've got to have some world class developers that are willing to work for more or less free or 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 you know, the kind of the hard or have some smart scheme with like a sponsoring developers or grants or something like that there and you've got to keep that going for you know for a super long time long enough for it to get adoption and probably go through a few cycles of up and down um and you know the temptation of that versus why not just create this altcoin pump the hell out of it and sell it and then go sit on the beach of the harmless drinking pina coladas for the rest of our life is you know, I think for most human beings, they're going to choose the second thing, right? And and not only that, it requires not just you, but like a team of people with continual concentrated effort to be able to turn that into reality. So, you know, I just think um, really understand what is required with having a, a functional cryptocurrency upon which you can rely on that delivers any of these things. It's a very big ask. And, and for that reason, I'm kind of skeptical about whether, you know, which of these things are going to survive, but maybe there is a space for them, but can you actually deliver that product using a business model where there is, you know, no real revenue being generated, uh, no real way to kind of, um, uh, so we're looking for, um, build the mode around it, you know what I mean? Like a, one, for example, uh, you know, I'm not super, I have really got the time to follow all the outcome stuff, but like, uh, for example, ZNRX, I know have this, has this problem where a lot of people who want to use the functionality just go and fork the coin because it's there on GitHub, is create your own fourth version. You don't really need a token, which is understandable. It's mainly for governance. Um, so you know, for all these reasons, I think it's it's, very, it's it's a big ask to monetize a coin. And you know, to me, I think the most sensible answer looking at these things in a purely objective fashion is create something, pump it, get a hell of a lot of Bitcoin, and then get out. You know, like Dan Lara, for example. You know, we just keep perpetually pumping these things out and just get more Bitcoin. And, and so, you know, the use case of a lot of the stuff, I think, is not really the stated thing. It's just a marketing scheme to get more Bitcoin. Um, and, and to be able to make that, that leap requires, you know, a team of virtuous people with, you know, some very fortunate circumstances perpetuated over time. And so for that reason, I think I just can't see it being very many at all, to be honest with you, that really last the um, thing, especially when more people come to understand, which what I just talked about, which I think if you spend a good amount of space in the times, Somewhat intuitive, right? So, hmm. so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think I think it's possible. You know, it's like you could, for example, you know, it's possible to run uh, faster than the world speed record. But is someone actually going to do it and put on the effort and the time to do it? Is there the motivation to do it? You know, and that's the real question. So, of course, it's possible in theory, but will it happen uh, because of human behavior? And is there motivation for it to take place? You know, I'm much more skeptical about that. Okay, yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I think like um, yeah, you make a good point actually regarding how easy it is if you're someone who you, your, your key focus is is financial gain, it, it, rather than building something on top of Bitcoin or trying to help out building Bitcoin to make your own money, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to just come up with something, sort of market the hell out of it, and then just crash out of it, get as much as you can, and yeah, basically cash out in, in Bitcoin. I guess it's like for me when I first got into crypto as a whole uh, and Bitcoin specifically more so. Um, and this is before I logged back onto Twitter because I had a Twitter account from when I was younger. And I, I, you know, I'd never really taken part in, I didn't know crypto Twitter existed quite frankly uh, at this time. And I remember in my head, Bitcoin to me was like a savings, savings vehicle, I guess, like a place to put your savings. 
and also it was it was the currency to me it was like okay well i would hopefully be able to future earn this and then spend this and you know this is the currency so then to me i kind of i loved the idea of altcoins it's like this is like a gambling thing you know it's like i want to think that might go up and it's like this is kind of like my stock trading if i want to do it and bitcoin is just the currency so then when i remember when i first went to twitter the idea of like i'd never met a bitcoin maximalist i didn't really know what it was so i was like whoa you know like why are people hating on this this is like a fun gambling thing but then i guess i then saw that other people weren't thinking of bitcoin in the same way as i was like it's it's the currency it's the key it's where you put your profits into they were kind of thinking of bitcoin as just like i'm not interested i only care about the altcoins and then going into fiat and so that's kind of where i had to learn to kind of realize what was going on because i remember i was like <laughs> What and so what you say about people making tons of money and then back into Bitcoin to support support Bitcoin and themselves kind of makes a lot more sense to me because that's how I've always seen Bitcoin as the the thing the global currency in a way for me like you know the borderless currency. Um, yeah, it's like shelling point idea, right? You know, I mean, and I think it, it's it's going to be impossible to, to break that now. Really, it is, and um, and and yeah, I mean, I, I just I just think if you've when you know when you're new to the space, all these new things make you know are interesting and, and Bitcoin can kind of seem boring too. Like once you've got over the whole like wow, where's Bitcoin and you've got some stuff, you start looking at these flash new things that have new kind of flash stuff. And really, you know, I think it's like music or sports teams where people want to have their own little secret thing that they're part of and they're cheering for and makes yeah. them seem you know special from everyone else. You know, what I mean, and I think that's a very poorly understood. Uh, thing in the sort of space is the, the power of that but but yeah I mean I, you know I, I like uh, I, I I think um, you, you can like for, for example right now I mean I think it who knows exactly how long the, the game music will choose to go on but right now you know you're probably going to make more money out of altcoins than holding bitcoin right now and there's a whole group of people that are coming to the space right now and that's their first experience mm. but you know that like you say about the idea about maximalism is, is I don't think it's necessarily a prescriptive investment strategy perhaps it's some way people do it but it's more the idea of it's like dog cost averaging it is like it's the idea of discipline it's like sure right now right now you probably if I was to put some money on name your fucking shitcoin right now uh, and tomorrow it's probably going to be worth more than bitcoin as in dollars but you know are you going to be able to exit that at the right time are you going to be able to stay out when you get out not see if you're jumping out again and then buy at the worst possible time and a lot of for most people the, the answer is no right correct and so i think like the whole idea of maximalism is not necessarily looking at like the dollars and cents and saying bitcoin will always be the best place to park your money for any given amount of time as far as the return on dollars but it's a smarter strategy to adopt not just investment wise because you know it's just it's much less diffuse on your energy um, you know, most people are not going to be able to trade well enough to be able to uh, be profitable over time, this sort of thing, and not lose money. Uh, but it's also, I think, like, particularly if you're a developer or you're interested in space or anything else, you know, a lot of people in space are jacking all the trades faster enough, right? They read about these things, they can tell you a little bit about this kind of coin. But if you really start to drill these guys about things, you know, they don't really understand what they're talking about. And, like, you know, if you're you know, for me, I just like to focus on Bitcoin because I think it's the only one that matters. To me, it's the most interesting one. And, and for who knows, you know, maybe pick your shitcoin might be like much, you know, much, it might be a much better investment and might do some crazy thing in the future. But I think the risk reward of involving yourself in any, your energy and your time and money and any of this stuff versus the absolute guarantee that's there with Bitcoin is, is just, it's a no brainer. Um, 
So to me, you know, like I'm only really interested in Bitcoin for that reason, because I just think it's, it's the, the, the biggest one, but also the one that's most likely to succeed. And you haven't got the time to be focusing on these kind of things. I want to master one thing, which to me is Bitcoin. And there's no way, you know, even if you're trying to do Ethereum on top of that, it's, it's a massive mental effort and requires a lot of time to be able to get there. And so I think for a lot of people, the answer is just pick the thing which is, in my opinion, the best, but also is the thing which is most likely to succeed and just devote your attention there. And you're much less likely to be someone who, who I don't know, put your effort into Aurora coin, I don't know, like, like you know, where, where's that effort gone now? Financially, mentally, now it's, it's worth nothing, right? You know, or very little. Because if you, if you invest that into networking, into uh, technical knowledge, into investing into Bitcoin right now, you'll be much better off, right? And no one knows which which of these other things is going to go and if they're going to go, but Bitcoin is a surety. So for that reason, I think like maximalism is a logical prescription rather than a literal uh, code by which to follow. It's just common sense, really, really how I'd sum it up. So, yeah. I understand that. I can get behind that as well, for sure. Um, I appreciate that. Um, but I, Ricardo, have you, got any, have you got any questions you wanted to ask? I don't want to you know, keep cutting you off there. I have one last question, and this will be my last one. Um, I wanted to ask, since not everybody's super wealthy in crypto, what security advice would you give to just your casual crypto user? Uh, so, I mean, I think like if you're brand new, you know, uh, like, uh, and, you know, you're like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, like obviously on your phone or whatever is fine. You know, do bear in mind that, you know, that 20, 30 bucks in, in a year's time might be worth a lot more than 10, 20, 30 bucks. So you want to think about a backup scene for a small amount is not something you want to take lazily. Um, but, you know, I think like if you're over 500, 1,000, you definitely want to be starting to invest in, in a hardware wallet, you know, so there's the office digital security stuff there. Um, and really that question is also kind of depends on your net worth, right? Like if you're some guy who's a multi-millionaire, losing 10 grand is probably not something that you lose too much sweat of, but for some people that's life-wrecking uh, phenomenon, right? So so digitally, digitally, I mean, I think a hardware wallet is the most obvious thing that people should invest in. They should invest their time in looking at, uh, for example, reading the Bitcoin.it uh, wiki on privacy and get the head around that very dense document, but it's something that everyone should read and try and digest and progress towards as much as possible. So ideally running that, um, how what connected to a full node, uh, you know, uh, and some like, to some APS or Spectre or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, so, so that's the digital side, which is, you know, very well documented. And I think, you know, there's plenty of things you can read about that. It's talking about the physical one. Um, it's, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an aspect of that Bitcoin, right, which is, you know, this whole low time preference sort of thing, right, about, you know, being not investing in down fleshy shit like uh, an Aston Martin uh, or, um, or, or bits and pieces like that. It's thinking about the future and that this money is going to be with a significant amount more in the future. So think about what we spend. The same thing, I think, approaches uh, the, the culture of the way that you, you spend your money and you advertise your money and, and what you do with it in regards to that there where, um, you know, like we talked about with the lottery money and the temptation for a lot of people who get um, rich out of Bitcoin and, you know, just happens to be, you know, let's go out and buy some new computer, new leather jacket, a new set of shoes or whatever, and that kind of thing there. Um, and, you know, financially, that is perhaps not a smart decision for other reasons. But the other one is, like, be careful about how flashy you are and what you're advertising and, and kind of the, the not, 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 not simply because someone is going to see your stuff and rob you, but a lot of these people, and this is very true of, like, lottery winners, you know, the great example is, like, if you watch the uh, O.J. Simpson documentary, I highly recommend that where he ended up. And so if you fall into the wrong crowds, like, if your your idea of getting getting rich is, is partying heaps and doing these coke and 
whatever, you know what I mean? You're going to attract people which are more likely to take advantage of you or that are not, um, for the lack of a way to put it, stable individuals, if you know what I mean. So when you're thinking about like what you do with Bitcoin as far as what you, uh, there's the temptation to buy things that are flashy and that can attract the wrong people to you and, and be aware about the, the company you keep, but also um, what those psychological drives are going to do for you, right? Like again, someone's won the lottery, um, they've potentially gone from being nothing, you know, like a, a nobody into someone who has access to all this kind of stuff there. And if you haven't examined your behaviors, your, your urges, they can lead you into places where you're going to be taken advantage of physically and, uh, and, and otherwise. And so I think the same thing would apply to people that are doing well with crypto is be aware of, um, you know, the first thing you might want to do is go on some big trip and throw a lot of money out, but be aware where this is pushing you and have a clear idea about what that world you want to go to is. Because if you don't have direction for your life, other people will push you in. You know, if you're not driving the ship, someone else is driving it for you. And, and that, I think, is one of the biggest security risks is people that uh, are deriving their um, sense of self-esteem, if you like, from the intention and, um, uh, and uh, acceptance of other people. And that can lead you into a very risky place uh, psychologically. But uh, we're talking about what you want to hear as far as your physical security goes. So kind of that's... Bit of a long, waffly psychological answer, but that's kind of one of the best pieces of advice I think you could give people is think about you know, you've, you've just won the lottery, what is the world you want to create? Examine some of those urges that you have and where they're going to lead you, and think about what the downsides of some of them are because it can be you know, it's quite a sugary rush, right? When you're that world, and if you haven't planned for it, haven't got disciplined about it, that uh, those emotions can lead you to some um, to bad places. I don't agree enough with those answers and like uh especially it's like the whole try like i guess like living within your means a little bit and and kind of like living less than what you and try not to sort of be a show off and and get in the wrong crowds and just spend yeah. for spending sake try and do what makes you happy try and do what puts you towards the right path in your future and I, yeah, that's pretty good advice mm-hmm. um because there is so much more than just where do i put my crypto uh, there's so much more to it than that um like as you're saying if you're in an area that's not as safe as maybe i don't know a super wealthy area of america or london or england or whatever it would be um then you don't want to walk around with a gold rolex on your wrist and <laughs> this is basic stuff or like a t-shirt that says you know i heart bitcoin yeah, with like yeah. chains of bitcoin like gold plated <laughs> yeah. or anything it's it's just common sense you know um so yeah it's really good yeah. uh really good advice and it goes yeah, beyond yeah. the one they can just lead you to a leads you to a, you know, not, not just the thing in and of itself, but if you get there and you realize it and you feel, well, I don't know what I want anymore, you know, and you kind of have this emptiness inside, if you like, you know, that's when you're quite vulnerable to, to some of these um, nefarious characters, we'll put it that way. So, so you know, it's, it's kind of Anthony Robbins sort of shit, but, but it also has a, 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 a physical security um, element that flows out of it. So, yeah, it's something for this form to consider. No, I like that. Um, no, I think that's a that's a good that's a good kind of like closing uh, ode to people. To be honest, it's like, hey, security is more than just where do you put it, and it's also like how you are as a person as well. As it's, it's a state of mind, dude. It's one hundred percent state of mind, and it's a worldview about looking about the world, and that's where it all starts. Is the assumptions and the beliefs that you have how they flow up to your actions, and again, this is sound a little bit woo-woo-y, but that is something that they really teach you in all these organizations is that it's about building the mind and the mentality of someone that 
can never get the stuff right and everything else flows from that. So it's an important thing to consider. Oh, I like it. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, I guess um, I'll I'll hit us with, um, we just do normally like a little outro of like, I don't know, it's like 30, 60 seconds of just some good news to leave everyone listening and us on a positive note. Um, random good news doesn't even have to be crypto related. Um, so I'll read that out for everyone. Um, and then uh, we'll obviously say our goodbyes to people. Um, but before we do, I, I say I, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, Rajo. It's been Awesome to have you here. Um, you're the first uh, first New Zealand national on the podcast, I believe. Um, <laughs> trying to think of any other firsts, but um, probably the first full stack developer on the podcast as well, I think. So there's many firsts here. Um, so I really appreciate you coming in. And it's, it's been awesome um, to chat with you. So thank you so much. Um, and also awesome. thank you. Thank you to the listeners as well, obviously, for listening in. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll hit us with the good news uh, so we can leave. So uh, first off, Japanese doctors have performed the world's first living donor lung transplant on a COVID-19 patient. A new brain cancer immunotherapy has shown promise this week in human trials with most patients having seen no tumor growth for three years. The endangered rhino population in Nepal has grown by 16%. On 10th of April, uh, Jersey Mike's has donated 100% of their sales from 1,900 stores to charity in their biggest day of giving in 11 years. Archaeologists have discovered a 3,000-year-old Egyptian city left as if it were yesterday. Uh, a Girl Scout who survived cancer has broken a record selling 32,000 boxes of cookies with all proceeds going to chill, six children. Uh, Chinese scientists have unveiled a new fabric that works like a smartphone screen, uh, with it possibly being used for first responders and motorbike riders who could show a map with the brush of an area of fabric on their arm. And lastly, Hollywood legend Dick Van Dyke has been handing out money to struggling people standing in line for jobs so uh congrats dick thank you very much thanks so much everyone for tuning in thank you roger for coming on um just buy bitcoin earn in bitcoin and spend your bitcoin let's get the circular economy going everyone take care see you later